Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee's Erotic Library. On this podcast, I'm inviting you into my personal library to experience my favorite erotica. All of the volumes that I will read from are on my shelves. Each week, I will treat you to a piece of erotica, either my own or from one of my favorite authors. Some weeks, I will be joined by these amazing authors themselves, and you will have the chance to hear them read their own work. This podcast is being supported by my Patreon page. That's patreon.com forward slash Lori Beth Bisbee. For people who subscribe, you will have access to special interviews with authors and readings and also to special events. So grab your drink of choice, get comfortable, and enjoy a peek into my erotic world. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee's Erotic Library. Uh, This week I'm reading a, a bunch of different small pieces of mine, some shorter, some longer. Um, they're kind of eclectic, just a bit of fun. Now, there's a piece that I thought I had already read, but I couldn't find where I read it. So, I may actually read that one um, for you today again. So, if it's the second time you're hearing it, I do apologize for that, but I hope you'll enjoy it twice. I'm going to start off with a short piece called Walking Down the Road. Walking down the road in the city, I keep my eyes and ears open, especially at night. I walk with purpose and yet still manage to enjoy the sights and sounds. I love the ambiance on a crisp evening when wearing a light jacket is enough and allows me to feel just a nip of cold. I'm one of those folk who much prefer the cold to the heat. If I'm too cold, I love to wrap up in warm clothes, many layers of luxurious fabrics, cashmere, various downs, silks, thick cottons, and even some wool. If I'm too hot, I am miserable. Once I get down to my skin and I'm sweating profusely, I can do nothing else to cool off except find a way to jump in water or submerge. And even then... I burn from the inside far longer than's comfortable. My hackles rise as I feel someone move closer behind me. He's almost on my heels. I quickly duck into the next alley, hoping to be able to move away more quickly. I know the area well and can get to my destination using cut-throughs. He remains on my heels. Before I can implement another strategy, he grabs me and takes me down to the ground. He's on top of me, his breath hot in my ear as I get ready to scream. I wouldn't, he says. He has one of those deep voices that rumble, lots of bass and rasp that could be natural or could be from many years of smoking. Voices like his start me shuddering. They cause my body to vibrate. His voice, his scent, and my fear all combine until I'm taut and vibrating like a cello bow. He cuts through my jacket, dress, bra, and knickers. He runs the knife over my neck, shoulder, blades, back, and ass. I try ever so hard to be still so he does not cut me too deeply. Cut me, he will. First small cuts almost like caresses, as though he were tickling me with the knife. 
then a few sharp cuts that burn as the air hits them. His dick is steel-hard and pressed into me. Each time he cuts me, his dick pulses. My fear is intense enough that I imagine a predator could smell me from more than a mile away. My arousal adds a pungent but sweet note. I feel my sap rise and begin to drip from my pussy. His knife is at the back of my neck, a quick flick of his wrist, and I feel the burn. This time, I can feel the blood oozing from the wound. He licks the blood from the cut and makes another one. Tears begin to run down my cheeks. My body trembles despite my efforts to be still. He positions me so my ass is in the air and pushes my legs apart. He slides a couple of fingers inside my pussy, checking my level of lubrication. Don't move, he rasps. I will myself still as I feel him run the blade around my lips. He presses the hilt into my pussy and begins to fuck me with it. I am frightened, and I am so turned on. He fucks me harder and faster with the rigid, unyielding hilt of his knife. I am close to coming just on that edge, and he pulls the knife out. He reaches round my face and presents me with the knife hilt, slick with milky, thick, white juice. Clean it, he whispers hoarsely. I moan as I lick it clean. He fucks me hard and fast, gripping my hips and then letting go, and pulling my hair. He fucks me until we both come, covered in sweat, slick juices, and rivulets of my blood. It takes time for our breathing to return to normal. He turns me over and pulls me so I'm standing facing him. He is holding me up as he looks in my eyes. He takes the blade and makes a swift, small cut on my left breast. He dips a finger in the blood as it wells up to the surface and rubs his finger over my lips. Leaning over me, he sucks at the cut. Sweet pain, rough edges, I moan as he feeds. He makes a small cut on his arm and presses it to my mouth. I suck the wound. Metallic sweet tang is ambrosia. The oath was taken by us long ago. What he does now merely feeds it. Our energy... Heats, mingles, moves in waves back and forth between us, moving from our feet up through the crowns of our head. For those who see, we are incandescent. Voices at the end of the alley bring us back to this world. He wraps me in a blanket and leads me to the car and a short journey home. This one is called, I Miss You. 
Driving in my car on the country roads, music blasting from the Bose speakers, tears coursing down my face for the tenth time today. Grief overflowing again. I miss you. Every moment of every day we are apart, I miss you. My flesh stretched to breaking point, trying to reunite with your flesh, trying to recreate whole. I miss you, throat raw from sobbing nail marks in my thighs, from holding myself so tight together, trying not to harm the flesh you own as I know you would not approve. Heat flickering at my base, I can feel you blow on it until flames ignite, fervid, feverish sleep only to wake covered in my own sweat, my own hot oil. Overwhelming desire to scratch myself raw as though I could somehow rid my body of your mark. You live inside of me. Under my skin, in my bloodstream, in my neurons, your energy traveling between my synapses. Your touch, your will, mold me, your treasure, your bitch, your toy, your slave, yours, just yours. I think at your pleasure. I move at your pleasure. I exist as a separate being by your will and your pleasure alone. And so then how can I miss you? You who are so much a part of me. How can I miss you when you are always there with me? In my heart, my mind, under my skin, in my soul, singeing my spirit. I do miss you. I miss your flesh in contact with mine. I miss your scent on my tongue. My fingers lingering on my clothes. I miss your taste. I miss your smile. Your eyes, particularly when they're hooded and filled with fire. I miss the curve of your nose, the texture of the skin on your stomach. The roughness of your ashy hands at the end of the day. Your whiskers on my thighs. I miss the oils from your scalp on my fingers that I secretly smell for hours. I miss your soft lips, sweet tongue exploring my mouth. I miss your lips hard as you take my mouth when passion burns out of control. The feel of your hands in my hair, teeth on my throat. I miss the feel of your hair under my hands as I grab your head and pull you deeper into me at breakfast time. I miss you. The smell of your sweaty balls, the salty tang on my tongue inhaled makes me high. I miss you, the feel of your dick half-hard under my fingers, the feel of your dick rock-hard pushing into my wet folds. I miss you. The taste of your throat, your skin under my fingers as I scratch you, moaning as you thrust into me, the feel of your hands as you drum on my ass, my thighs, my breasts. I miss you, even the flick of those nasty damn fingers on my nipples. I miss the sound of your voices in my ears. The sound of your heart beating as I lay my head on your chest. I miss the sound of your laughter, the sight of your tears. I miss you, the stories you tell, the energy you weave, the love you pour into, around, and over me. Every moment of every day we are apart, each millisecond of separation, I miss you. Your smith's arms wrapped round me, crushing me to you as you kiss me, letting me know you miss me.
It's been 37 years, and I can still smell you. I still taste you pungent on my tongue. I no longer wake from nightmares, and I have not suffered intrusive thoughts for years. I don't avoid thinking about anything, talking about anything, or going places for fear of being triggered. The horror no longer touches me as, I thought, as though it were in the present. The only symptom I still have is my hypervigilance. If something triggers me, I am on high alert, aware of all that is going on behind me, near me, around me. It is a useful skill, so I've not let it go. Being able to harness this is protective. I remain drawn to some of the ways you used me, my hunger for water sports, intense before I knew you and before I had experienced them, far worse once you pissed on me, in me, in my mouth. This hunger's never decreased. I rarely mention this to a lover, a prospective lover, even a potential casual fuck. The shame connected with the desire tripled after you because now I desired something nasty and also desired something that the monster who raped me did during the rape. It's the same with ribbing. You were the first and I loved it and I hated it. You were the first person to introduce me to anal sex. Back then I wrote about how frightened I was, not least because of your size. You were so gentle at first and by the time you started to fuck me in earnest I was relaxed and loving it. I can feel the length and girth of you intensely hot and hard inside my ass, stretching and filling me, and the pulsing of my clitoris as you piss in, in and out of my ass. You were sweet to me until you took what you wanted without consent. After that, you tore me up. I retain the scars to this day. Your teeth left a deep scar on my left nipple. You drew blood and I got an infection. The scar still acts up on occasion, becomes red and inflamed, reminding me you tried to claim me. Reminding me I got exactly what I asked the gods for when I demanded without qualifying my request and without contemplating my words. Loki's laughter rings in my ears. Loki rode you. He keeps that bite alive as his mark upon me. I learned later you were no master, though that is what I wanted. You were no master because you ignored consent. There was no negotiation and no agreement for me to give up consent. But when I first connected with you, your energy, your power was undeniable and my desire to surrender palpable. I still crave that level of control and reject it and crave it. My ambivalence ties me in knots. Do I want a master to micromanage me? No. Yes. I don't know. I always say no to this question and tell people it would drive me insane. I know this because you've controlled my every move, my bodily functions, even most of my thoughts and feelings for five full days and that seemed an eternity, and I cannot imagine choosing to let someone do that again. And yet, I crave strong structure. I crave being a prisoner at the will of another. I crave. I know my cravings are fantasy and that I would not enjoy any non-negotiated situation and where I did not give my consent. Since I started working on the memoir, my fantasizing has increased. My desire to be torn apart returned. My desire to feel at such an intense level is paramount. The ache unsated. The burn felt all the time. I burn with this desire. It is literal. It is visceral. The flames climb through my body, from the base of my spine to my sacral area, through the solar plexus, and then to my heart. There's a steady burn that is potent enough to be distracting. I can hear you saying, open, open your mouth, and watching pornography this week suddenly heard a man say it that way. I come just thinking of saying, open your mouth and swallow.
It's all you'll get to drink. We're somewhere in the conflict, one step removed. I am training people in trauma management. I spend the evening before you arrive attempting to decline politely a powerful, dangerous man who finds me spirited and is determined to add me to his collection. I'm loath to mention your name, preferring to handle the situation myself, which, given the culture, is ridiculous, really. As a result, I end up in the debt of another man who makes my pos relative position clearer. He tells me to give you his regards, but for the life of me, I cannot remember his name. The locals escort us around some structures. To call them buildings is misleading. It implies modern dwellings. These are more hollow and haphazard and blend well with the sand. One is still smoking, reminding all who are with us that this is not a safe environment. The adrenaline junkies in the party, and I count myself as one, find it all fascinating, terrifying. Adrenaline can make you both high and nauseous, a potent mix. As the only aware woman, I am attracting some attention. Respect is something many of these men do not apply to women. As you surmise, I find this problematic, thus leading to my run-in the previous evening. We're at a meal with the tables low to the rugs on the floor when you arrive. You've no trouble spotting me, despite my attempts at modest local dress. My body posture and animation and conversation give me away. I'm having a heated debate, muted by my usual standards, with the man who rescued me last night. There's a crackle of flirtatious energy in the air, a veneer over his aggression. His desire to own me keeps he keeps in check out of deference to you. I feel you arrive as you come up behind me and your arms go round me, cupping my breasts, pinching my nipples and pulling me firmly into you. A squeal of pleasure escapes my lips. I know better than to turn around. You hold me tightly. Press, I press my buttocks back into you, delighting at the feel of your stirring cock, the pressure of your arms around me, the feeling of sinking into your body and being enfolded in your arms' embrace. I'm still in a bit of control until you begin to manipulate my nipples. My breathing becomes ragged, color rises to my face as I notice the gazes of several other men and women gathered. The locals appraise my responses and your command of me. Those of my own culture appraise a variety of other things. I feel most shamed before them. Their lack of understanding and acceptance burns. Most of them see me as a bold and independent type. Though they're not aware of what they now view, they see it as blatant sexuality which is coarse or common, not worthy. I am aware that they see my submission, and by this I am ashamed and also proud. The mixture of emotions and reactions are confusing as usual. You greet your associate and thank him for looking after me until you were free. He makes comments about my behavior and the mishap of the previous evening, and at first your face darkens. I shiver to see that look even with my back to you. When all the details are revealed, it amuses you. Poor little Krell, you're unused to these rules, which likely chafe as much as heavy Krell bracelets and chains. You march me to a place with limited privacy where we can recline and press us both to the ground, continuing to arouse me, pinching my nipples, moving to stroke my clitoris, finding my pussy soaking wet. I am moaning steadily, but you still have not let me touch you. Turn around. Kiss you. I struggle in your grasp to turn. Be still. I moan and press against your now hard cock. A small moan escapes your lips. 
I grin, having managed at last to provoke an audible response. My body is warm, liquid, honey, olive oil, viscous, flowing. You turn me, lifting my chin, gazing into my eyes, my soul, my heart. You take a kiss from me, my heat rising higher. You hold me close and ask me to tell you of what happened the night before. I begin to explain about touring the abandoned stronghold, my comments about planning offhand, not meant to cause a reaction. I was thinking out loud. I describe our guide's response, spluttering, or, spluttering an apology to one of the local men at the front of our party. One of the Western reporters ribs me, winding them up, and presses me again about why I'm there and what I hope to accomplish. Several men are laughing at this point. My temper rises. I'm not a team mascot, nor am I there as a token. I have a brain, am accomplished, earn my right to accompany them. My analysis is sought after, valuable, and so on. I have shut them all up, and my face is now burning red. I know better. You asked me not to draw attention to myself. I'm humiliated, angry, and frightened. Worst of all, I fear your displeasure. I apologize to the local contingent gracefully, and then stick my tongue out at the Westerner media boy. My watcher's none too amused. The local chief has decided I'm worth a second glance. However, what can I do? I'm polite, deferential, as best as I can be. I do not want a second glance from this ruthless man who can see me as nothing but chattel. I have enough on my plate, do not need more discipline, though I suspect you will beg to differ after hearing this. I have no desire for a second master. Right now I can only manage the one, thank you. I will do what you will. Should you wish me to serve him, I will do so, and I will do so well. We move on to the next stop on the tour. Somehow they press me to the front near to the chief. His hands are on my arm as he describes something. I stiffen. He needs my arm. I will myself to relax. If I am polite, maybe I can get out of this with no one losing face. My inner commentary is scathing. He asks my opinion with a look of amusement, one that tells me he's playing, that a woman with a view is an oddity towards it, to him. With appropriate deference, or at least an attempt, I state my opinion. He laughs out loud and his hand moves to my ass. He gives me a resounding slap and I fight to remain in control of my temper. The western boys double over with laughter waiting for me to explode. I am aware of the consequences of exploding and I am keeping a handle on my temper, if only barely. He's now kneading my ass. Any movement on my part seems to increase contact rather than decrease it. My discomfort amuses him. He leans into me and nibbles my ear. I almost slap him. His laughter is resounding, booming as he sees my struggle. My watcher rescues me at this point. He politely explains that I belong to you, and I listen, shocked as they discuss whether or not you would consider selling me or at the very least loaning me out. Feisty, he says, and grins. I'm both enraged and petrified, fighting for control of my temper. I'm determined to behave well, at least from now on, as they've mentioned your name. The stakes have risen. I don't want to devalue your name. This is suddenly no game. At last, the tour is at an end. I politely bow my head, lower my eyes, and express my pleasure at meeting him, unfortunately through gritted teeth. The watcher translates his response. A well-trained slave would kneel at this moment. I reply that to ask me to do so in the circumstances would be an insult. I realize I have taken liberties and I cannot find a way out. He is right. I should kneel regardless of the Westerners surrounding me. Both he and I know what I am. 
my watcher silences me with a look. I do not know what he has promised this chief, but he is not pleased. My tears land on my thighs as I finish the story. I will punish you. I nod my head. You gather me closer into your arms, inspect the chain at my ankle, explore me again as is your right, and a sigh escapes my lips. Your hands on me always produce... I don't have the words. All others pale in comparison. I am shaking, sobbing in your arms, with grief, with relief. Then you discuss my punishment. The chief requested the loan of me, and when you respectfully declined, demanded at least to see my punishment. So much did he desire to teach me my place. He offered you one of his so you could compare. When you tell me this, I freeze, grief-stricken. I hold my tongue. What? No response? you muse? Your will, master, I whisper once again, tears raining from my eyes. I agreed to punish you in front of him. Only the rest, we shall see. The next hour we spend resting in the heat. At the appointed hour he arrives with two young beauties and a young man who he quickly sends away. The boys had noticed my absence, so they send a message. I'm assured it will amuse him. I remain on my knees, eyes lowered when they arrive. I will not disobey you further. My behavior interests the chief. I stay deferential, and it's clear that I'm not pretending. It occurs to him, he muses, that I respect you. I do not speak, though that is bait, surely. I want so badly to answer. You may speak, you allow. Thank you, master. I reply softly with respect. Of course I respect him, sir. I could not serve him if I did not. I breathe, eyes lowered appropriately. It seems your training may be sufficient, he comments. I am aware of the insult and incensed for you, which I am sure you find amusing. You can read my rage in my carriage so well, do you know me, after all these years. Steam is virtually coming from my ears. I shift on my knees. One sharp look from you stills me. The chief slowly walks round me, splendid carriage, despite her size. Still incensed but proud, despite my size... Culturally, I know that I am not unusually large, still self-conscious. Would you care to examine what I have brought with me, he challenges, and you nod your assent. Though I know you can do no differently without losing face, I am devastated. I also know you would enjoy the loan of these beautiful girls as much to enjoy my jealousy as of what they were. You would find it a delicious tribute as long as I was not in too much emotional pain. You always have. The women disrobe and kneel before you. They are gorgeous, thick black hair, midnight eyes, lovely dusky skin, well-rounded with pear-shaped breasts, beautiful hips, waists that are not small, not large, but in proportion to the rest of their frames. I used to have proportions like that before childbirth. I aim to have them again, but I'm not there yet, nor am I as resilient as I was when I was as young as they. I know you remember me when I was almost as young. My heart is in my throat, and I bite my lip to avoid crying. I will not compare myself to them. I know that you are watching my responses as you run your hands over one girl and see me shudder. She is responsive. The chief watches me with pleasure as he too can see my upset mirrored in my body. He sees me fight for control of my emotions, and it impresses him that I keep my place with my eyes lowered, keeping silent despite my obvious pain. I will not disgrace you by doing otherwise. You finish exploring the girls and remark on their beauty, carriage, and behavior. By now, I'm bright red from anger and also from shame. I keep silent still. 
You call me to you, and I crawl over, bow my head to your feet, and stay there ten beats until you raise me to my knees. We had discussed this, and I did not hesitate, though I am indescribably embarrassed to be crawling in front of you, let alone anyone else. The sight of the crop sets me shivering. In all the heat I am suddenly ice cold. It has been years since I endured this, felt this. I have only done so at your hands. There were other implements at the hands of others, but just you with a crop, and I remember the first time. My fear was insurmountable, how impossible it was to stay still, to accept the blows. I wonder how much better I will fare now with an audience with your reputation on the line. Ten strokes, we have agreed it, I hear you say. I will start and deliver the first nine strokes, leaving you the last one, unless you prefer to start. I freeze further, if that's possible. I am prepared for you to start, but do not know if I can be still for him. He looks at me and then smiles brightly. I will start, he declares. I pale. For a moment I might faint. Do your best for me. I nod my head as I do not trust myself to speak. I lower my head and wait, trembling ever so slightly. I feel the rush of air as the crop comes down, and just before contact is made with a resounding thwack and the sharp, stinging pain. A cry escapes my lips. I can hear him chuckle behind me. My eyes focus on your feet, a delay and then the next one, higher on my ass than the first, a cry and a moan torn from my lips, my nipples tingling, my ass stinging, hurting, throbbing, liquid at my center. I don't understand my response. I know that it is a deep, thorough response from my heart, from my soul, from my core. The next blow rains down harder. Tears run down my cheeks. I hear him chuckle. I've not moved away, and I've not begged for relief or mercy. So far I have accepted this as punishment due me. I am determined to perform well for you. I notice your hands are on one of the women, teasing her, but your eyes focus on me, observing my response. I move to invite you. I plead with my eyes. After the fifth stroke, you move to take over. The chief runs his hands over my welts before surrendering the crop. I cry, moan, and press my buttocks back onto his hand. He dips his fingers between my legs, drawing out hot nectar. Good, he says, having measured my response. I am deeply shamed, red-faced, burning, wishing this over, craving the rest, more frightened and less frightened that you will deliver it. The first few strokes come in quick succession with no time to recover. The pain is overwhelming. I invite you, but scream as the last stroke rips into me. I feel a soft hand rubbing oil into the welts and am trembling again. The final two strokes are harder and placed on top of the welts. I moan, bow my head lower so they cannot see my tears. Thank you, Master, I whisper. You motion me up and kiss me deeply. I can feel your pleasure with me in your touch. I know I have done well. She is well trained. She is also truly yours. I sigh, thinking myself safe from further humiliation at his hands. For the moment, I am. What you will do later is unclear. I know there are enormous pressures on you. You will. What? Take your pleasure with me. Use me to distress. Use me as a tool. It is your will that I am clear upon. I am determined to please you, to make you proud, to make you desire me. I am committed to being yours. That's all for this week on Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee's Erotic Library. 
Don't forget to look out for the tickets. They are just out for the 30th of May's play party. It's a virtual play party, just like the last one. And it will again be off the chain. We are doing this as a fundraiser so that we can create a virtual safe space that contains space for support, social, uh, recorded education, live education, and also an event, virtual event platform so that we can have live events that is controlled by us and is sex positive so that um, some of the censorship that we people have been experiencing will no longer be a problem because we will be determining the terms of service and you won't need to worry about terms of service suddenly changing and becoming um, tremendously conservative with a small c. So uh, if you are able, please, please do contribute to this cause. We have raised... Um, a little over a third of what we need in order to complete this project by um, doing the crowdfunder.co.uk project, which you can still find the link to on my website. It is still open. And by running um, the play party that we ran on the 2nd of April, this one will also go towards that. Uh, There is going to be an erotic reading event where um, you can purchase a personalized erotic reading and that will also uh, go towards this and uh, hopefully we will reach our goal soon we're not waiting until we hit the goal in order to do the build so we've been doing the build so that's good we'll roll out features as um, as and when we're able to do the build we're very excited about this and hope that you will join us for this Um, because uh, these play parties are not Zoom play parties, and they have been absolutely off the chain. People have had the most wonderful time. Have a safe week, and I look forward to being back with all of you next week. Thanks for joining me on this erotic adventure. Join me again next week for more exciting erotica. Visit my websites, drlorybethbisbee.com and drlorybethbisbee.press for more information about what I'm doing and what services are available. Check out my weekly internet radio show, The A to Z of Sex, on the Health and Wellness Channel, voiceamerica.com, Thursdays at 11 a.m. PST, 2 p.m. EST, 7 p.m. BST, and that's a live show. If you've got suggestions for this show or authors you'd like to hear, email me at laurybeth at drlaurybethbisbee.press. Have a great week.